Hey, my name is Amanda. I want to thank you for joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you find your next step toward Jesus. Enjoy the message. We're going to begin with Genesis 2. The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. This is the word of God. So a lot of things in life are about balance. Um, Even good things we can have too much of. Think about what we eat or how we exercise or rest and work, rhythms of sleep, um, how much time we spend doing whatever. Uh, Most of that is about balance, about I I want some of the good thing, I don't want too much of a good thing because then it, it turns into a bad thing. But one of the things that is not about balance is how many good relationships we have. You just can't have enough. I don't know anybody that is like, you know what I I am just absolutely annoyed with is how many amazing friendships I have in my life. It's just driving me, my marriage is so good, I need to get away and do something wrong. Right, that's just not something, uh, good relationships, everyone wants as many of them as we can possibly get because we're built for them, they're good for our soul, they make us more ourselves. Uh, And and so we are gonna take the next seven weeks and talk about relationships, all stripes of them, whether we're talking about um, marriage or singleness, parenting, dating, friendships, all of that. We're gonna kind of dive into some of those issues together. Um, I also think that many of us would admit or recognize that culture-wide, there seems to be something missing around relationships. Um, there is something particularly more difficult these days than there used to be. And I genuinely don't think that some like um, reminiscing and nostalgia about the past, sure, there's always been problems, but something seems a little uniquely challenging um, today. Uh, one of the ways that you can find out what's going on in the culture um, and is, is by using Google. Um, how many of you would you say you Google something at least once a day? Yeah, okay, right, yes. That's how I fixed my refrigerator this week with Google. Thank you, Google. Um, Big fan. So now, if I could go to my my computer here real quick. Let's see. Am I on? Yeah, all right. Um, So one of the things that Google has is what's called autocomplete, where if you start typing something, it pulls up the most most searched thing, phrase, um, with those words that you've pulled in. And it says, is this what you're talking about? Is this what you're, it's trying to save you some time there. Um, and I, I find this interesting, so I wanted to do this. Now, also, I did not plan this, but this might tell you something a little bit about, about Brett. Um, my last Google searches were pulled pork, subatomic particles, and Led Zeppelin. So, <laughs> there's Brett. Okay, but check, check this out. Check this out. Our relationships 
worth it? The most Googled questions, question about relationships is, are they even worth it? Are relationships supposed to be hard? Google's like, is that, is that what you're trying to say? Enough people ask me that. Is that what, are these supposed to be hard? Are they supposed to be easy? Are relationships transactional? Like, people are sitting there wondering, is this just about like some business agreement that you're in with people? If I put in this much, you put in that much. If I put in a little, so do you. If I put in a lot, so do you. This is really just some like business arrangement that we're in that we pretend is a relationship. Relationships supposed to be stressful. Are relationships overrated? Are they easy? Are they, are they hard work? Are relationships perfect? Check, check this out. Are friends with benefits bad? <laughs> but, but hold on, check this out. That means there are enough people sitting there wondering, hey, can I be in a physical sexual relationship with somebody without commitment or love? Is that good or not? And where would I find the answer? Google. <laughs> right, like is this good for my soul? Are friends important? Are friends with benefits exclusive? Apparently lots of questions about friends with benefits. Um, are friends family? Are friends overrated? Are friendships necessary? This, this, is, this is interesting. Is loneliness lethal in emotion? Is it a disease? Is it bad? You know the one that got my attention the most? As a pastor, is loneliness a sin? There are enough people sitting in front of their computer screen feeling lonely and wondering if they are offending God by being lonely. That Google's like, is that what you mean? People ask me that all the time, is that what you mean? And we're gonna, we're gonna spend some time talking about loneliness. Is loneliness a, a feeling? Is marriage the first one? Is it worth it? Is marriage counseling effective? The next one is, is marriage counseling covered by insurance? <laughs> you can imagine how that, why that flowed the way that it did. Is it worth it? Yes, and we're gonna need counseling. How much does counseling cost? Is it covered by insurance? Is marriage in the Constitution? Is marriage religious? Is this a government thing? Is this a religious thing? Is it a sacrament, a contract? Is it a religious thing? Is it a Bible? Is it in the Bible? Is it, is it a public record? Where, where does the marriage thing come from? How did we get this? What are we gonna do about it? Is being single better? Is it bad? Being single is sin. Is my not wanting a relationship right now, my not finding a relationship right now, is that, is that a problem to God? Am I offending God? Is it good, unhealthy?
Parenting. Oh, being parenting. That's my problem. That's not a sentence. Is, being, is parenting hard? Yes. We'll just get some out of the way real quick. Is, being parenting, is parenting a job? Yes. Is parenting worth it? Absolutely. But these are questions people are wrestling with. Is parenting worth it? Is it harder today? Are parenting, is parenting class mandatory? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> is parenting fun? We'll end with this one. Is love real? The number one question about love, not about, not about a show or a novel, number one question about love is, is it even real? Or is it just selfishness disguised in warm feelings? I think, I think we could say something's missing in our world. If this is what we talk about, what people wonder about on a regular basis. You know, and, and who's helping in the broader culture? I think there are enough podcasts and enough um, books that you could absolutely bury yourself on trying to learn about how to do relationships in a good way. There is so much information out there. Some of it's really good. Um, some of it's not so good. Uh, there's you know, there's all, all that kind of stuff out there and, and we need to sort through it. But I don't think that more information is gonna dig us out of the, the hole that we're in as a culture, the challenges that we have because we've got more information than we know what to do with. Um, I also, now counseling and therapy, I have benefited from counseling. I, I recommend good Christian counseling on a regular basis to folks, but, but there is more counseling available now than ever. And there are more people open to it now than ever, which is a really good thing. But that's not stemming the problem. Uh, maybe, maybe like I, I could put it like this, if this isn't overstating it too much. I am for good cancer treatment. You know what would be even better is less cancer in the first place. And I wonder if, if in our culture, are there ways that we can get ahead of the problem so that less people end up in relationship challenges? Now, um, there's lots of people speaking into it. The church has spoken into it and maybe culture-wide was looked to as an authority on relationships in the past um, in our culture back when the church had, had more trust with our culture, which we have um, often um, blown it. Uh, with, with the whole trust thing. Now, in like 80s and 90s, there was a lot of books being written around relationships uh, from the Christian world. And, and I, I imagine that comes out of a really good heart um, that maybe the downside was is it was, a lot of times it was super formulaic. Like there was like a 200 page book that like this is how you parent. Like that's it? Wow. And then you buy it and you read it and then you get a kid and you're like, what were they thinking? This is so much harder than I thought. This is how you do discipline. Well, what if my kids are different from each other? This is how you do bedtime. Is that an issue Jesus is really concerned about? Like, what are we doing here? And, uh, and maybe uh, the, uh, marriage. This is how men act. This is how women act in a marriage. This is how um, they work through problems. This is how um, they have their, their sexual relationship. This is how they work through uh, conflict. This is, and, it's, and it's like in a little 200-page book that you, could, that you could buy at a bookstore. And, and I imagine, like I said, that those things were coming out of a good heart. Um, 
But relationships are just more complicated than that, aren't they? It's a little less formulaic. And what, what I would like to do, what we're gonna do over the next few weeks is try to dig a little deeper um, into some, some things underneath the surface. But we wanna be open um, to hearing from you guys and touching on some things that you're concerned about. So an experiment that we're running for the next couple of weeks um, is after every service, after every service, we're gonna have Q&A um, here on this stage. Uh, and so here's a number that you can text your questions to. We'll leave that up there for a bit. Um, and if y'all wanna hang out after the service, you can watch Ron and I sweat as we, as we try to work through our, we did this last service and I, I really appreciated it. It was really sweet um, for, the, for the folks that stayed um, and work through questions that you have about relationships. Now it's gotta be about the message or the series or something related to what we're talking about. No like Bible trivia, um, no like hot button issue, like stuff. We're, we're trying to work through like this um, stuff about relationships together. Um, not stuff out of left field, but we would love for you um, to stay after with us if you'd like to um, and, uh, and work through some questions together. I, I think part of the reason why that interests me is one way information I imagine is limited. Um, and this is a chance for us to hear what's on your mind and get a sense of what people are struggling with. Um, when something was really missing in my life, around relationships. I mean, things are always good and bad. There's always good things and bad things. There's relationships I'm screwing up and there's relationships I'm doing well with. There's friendships I'm doing well with and not, you know, all across the board. But when I was in my teenage years, my home was really broken and life was messy enough there that um, I don't think more information was gonna help me. But I would get this breath of fresh air, like clean air, when I would go over to some friends' houses. And maybe particularly thinking about my friend Trevor, I would go over to his house and his dad, Mr. Johnston, Mr. J, um, in, somewhere in between feeding us 17-year-olds an enormous amount of food because we ate so much pizza, somewhere between that and telling slightly inappropriate jokes to embarrass his son in front of his friends, um, he, would, he would take time to listen to me. He would look at me, he would ask me questions, he would, he would reflect on his experiences a little bit. He would sit down with me and talk and, and there was this connection that I could not have gotten through just straight information. What I needed was somebody that knew how to have healthy relationships in their life. And so maybe what we could work on together is yes, all of us need to get better, but what's even like more exciting to me than that is that we can be a part of the challenges of making the world better with everyone that you know. That over the next seven weeks, what if we all got a little bit better and your grandkids, your coworkers, the people that you live with, their lives were better because they had you. That would be worth spending time on. And so here's a question just to get us started. First, this is just, just for you um, to pull up in your own mind. What was one relationship that made you better in your life? You just pull that out. What was one relationship that made you better? And then before Ron comes and shares a little bit, would you take some time and share that with the person that you're sitting next to? Ready, set.
great, good conversation going on. So, um, hey, when you, when you turn on your cell phone, heart from a heart, you know, cold start, turn it on, up in the upper right-hand corner, you're gonna notice some activity right away. And it may sometimes dots, or it may be you know, captured different ways visually, but it may even just say searching. And, and your phone is searching uh, for a network. It's, it's um, searching for a cell tower, maybe, or for Wi-Fi. Your cell phone is, is hardwired to search for a connection. And then when it makes that connection, you're off and running. Do you know that human beings have been hardwired to search for connections? Andy Crouch is, uh, I think, one of the uh, leading experts today on, on uh, relationships, family life, especially with technology. Uh, TechWise families, I highly recommend for any family. But his book, The Life We're Looking For, is his newest book. And his opening line of this book says, recognition is the first human quest. And he, and he, he describes when, when a baby is born, when a baby comes into the world after it gets a, a, its initial crying out of the way, it enters into a phase that doctors call quiet alert. And for about the next hour, that baby's eyes are wide open and it's just looking. Now, it can only see about six to 12 inches in front of itself, all right? But it's looking for a human face. You were born looking for a human face. And when it finds one that especially gazes back at it, it locks eyes. Um, looking for a face. He says here that recognition is the primary task of infancy. Feeding, crying, sleeping are just the support system for this most essential work of figuring out who we are, where we are, by making, sense, by making contact with other people. That's, that's significant. You figure out who you are and where you are by making contact, connecting with people. We were hardwired for connections. Um, imagine you're here today because that happened. Uh, without connections, we will we'll survive, but we, may, we won't thrive. In fact, one of our values are our stated written values. We have three values at LaCroix, and one of them is we thrive in community. If you don't get that, you struggle. A, uh, a developmental psychologist by the name of Edward Tronick uh, has uh, run this experiment. He calls it still face. And so what he does is he gets uh, infants, or toddlers, very young, um, in a room with the primary caregiver. It might be a mom, might be a dad, might be a grandparent. And um, the, 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 the caregiver is given instructions, and that is uh, you're gonna sit here just a couple feet away from this child, and you're going to absolutely make no facial expressions with this person. You're gonna make no contact with them. You're going to just communicate total disinterest. And so they'll video that. That's hard to watch. Because here's this caregiver, here's a baby or infant, and they're trying to get some kind of response from the adult, and they're not getting any, and they start getting visibly agitated, upset. 
And after a couple minutes of this, getting no cues, no signal of love or connection from the adult, some will collapse on the floor in utter distress because we're made to connect with people. And if we don't get it, we don't thrive. And with my kids, we have four kids, and then now six grandchildren, I've noticed now, being reminded with my grandchildren, how important that connection is and how, how, how sweet it can be. Um, we have, like I said, six grandkids, and our third youngest, her name is Emmy. And uh, this, is just pack, this picture captures her personality. She's funny, she loves to laugh, she loves to irritate her older sister, and uh, she's just so much fun. Well, for the first year of her life, Emmy lived about five and a half hours away, so we didn't get to see her that much. Um, but then we helped her and family move back to Missouri, and there were three cars. There was a moving truck, my son was driving, and then uh, Kylie, a mom, she had Emmy in her car, and then we were driving, and Emmy was having a meltdown. She was in the back seat, the car seat, just crying, screaming away, and it went on for about a half hour. Kylie calls, I, we've got to pull over. I, I, I've got to, I'm losing my mind here. We've got to get Emmy some help, so we do. So I decide, I'm going to ride with Emmy. So I get in the back seat with her, and you know, she's got the car seat facing backwards. And I put my hand up on her car seat, and she grabs a hold of my hand and held on tight for like an hour. It was like one of the sweetest moments, and looked at me. And something very significant happened there. She bond, we bonded. In fact, to this day, I am her favorite. Okay. <laughs> they call, and she's talking to Nana, and she says, I want to talk Paul Paul. Because <laughs> um, something happened there. We connected. Uh, Nolan was born last uh, December. And uh, we uh, live a couple hours from him. We can see him more often. But, but uh, about a month ago, we went and spent three days at Nolan's house. And, and ever since then, when I get on FaceTime with him, and grandparents don't, we love FaceTime. If your kids are away, oh my gosh, love FaceTime. He looks at me and like, he smiles. I know that face. Ellie uh, was born five days apart from Nolan last December. And she does the same thing. And, and there's this connection that we have. I got about 50 more photos. <laughs> I do, but I'm not going to show them to you, okay? But I've, I've, I've seen again, wow, how significant is that connection that happens between human beings? And we were made for this. And if we don't have it, we're going to struggle. And increasingly, we're struggling. Um, we get to Genesis. Powerful verse. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Genesis, the word, the name literally means beginnings, and it tells the beginnings of the heavens and the earth and everything, beginnings of many things. And so Genesis 1 is the story of creation, and after every day, if you know, uh, the author's telling us that God created this, created, and, 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 and he makes this declaration, and it was... Yeah, good. Gets to the final day of creation, and it was very good. Everything's very good in God's wonderful world. And the first not good you get is in chapter two. Now, mind you, this not good happens before the entrance of sin, before the fall. It's not good for the man to be alone. 
Loneliness is all it's cracked up to be, friends. It's not good. Andy Crouch, who I mentioned earlier, says if there's one word that sums up the crisis of personhood on our time, it's loneliness. Like Ernest Hemingway's character who, quote, went broke gradually and then suddenly, modern people and societies has suddenly become acutely aware that they are relationally bankrupt. Something's missing. Surgeon General of the United States, Vivek Murthy, wrote in the Harvard Business Review back in 2017 these words, during my years caring for patients, the most common pathology I saw was not heart disease or diabetes. It was loneliness. It's not good for the man to be alone. And so what does Adam do? Adam starts searching for a face. He says, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So what does God do? He addresses this not good situation. So, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought it to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So God says, we've got a problem here. It's not good for the man to be alone. So you're going to make a helper, a helper suitable for him. Now, through our lens, through our filter, you may hear, oh, something, someone's subservient, it's just going to wait on the man. That's not what that word means. It's a very powerful word, a significant word. It's only used a few times in the Old Testament. A helper literally is someone who provides support for what is lacking in the one who needs help. Adam needed help. He was alone. So God provides a helper. Someone who would walk alongside of him. Interestingly, the only other time this Hebrew word is used in the Old Testament, it's used of God. So significant was this person that God created for Adam. And I love what Matthew Henry, the great Bible commentator from 300 years ago, wrote about this, so beautiful. He said, the woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled on by him, but out of his side to be equal to him, under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be loved. That good. And so God creates this, this thing called the institution, it creates marriage the institution of marriage. But it's even bigger than that. It's the beginning of human community. Now, the marriage here, big thing, that verse is so significant for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and uh, cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. It's King James. That's so significant. Jesus and Paul both quote from it. Whenever Jesus and Paul both quote from a, a passage in the Old Testament, it's very, very important. See, but marriage, not everybody's going to be married. 
Adam was alone. And so what God does is he creates community. Now, it starts, and the bedrock there for society is marriage. A man and a woman. But it's bigger. So God creates human beings to connect with one another. That if, think about, it, here was Adam with God, and he says it's not good that the man's alone. He needs human beings. Now, you turn the page, you just go a couple verses later, you get to Genesis 3, the temptation of human beings, the fall of, of mankind, sin enters the world, Adam and Eve are blaming each other, their relationship gets deeply fractured, and things begin to spin out of control very quickly by chapter four, one of their sons murders their other son. By chapter five, Lamech is bragging, he's got two wives, already monogamy's busted, and he threatens them. He says, you ever mess with me and I'll kill you. What about this helper suitable for him? And then it turns into violence so bad that by Genesis 6 and 7, the flood comes and God starts over with Noah and his family and then society rebuilds. And by Genesis 11, you have human beings creating a city to their honor, their own name and glory, and they build the tower that's going to reach to heaven, and God stops it midway by confusing their languages and communities fractured. Until Genesis 1, God calls one man, Abram, to go to a land that he will show him. And the rest of the story of the Old Testament is the, 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 the building of this community, this nation, from which the Messiah would come. And Jesus is born. Emmanuel, God with us. You see, it's not enough for God to send messengers anymore. It's not enough for God to send prophets. He comes in our midst in Jesus because we were not meant to be alone. And Jesus spends three amazing years with his disciples and they bond and connect in deep ways and they have such a love and loyalty to Jesus and he's about to die and be taken from them. They don't understand it. And the night before he dies, he tells his disciples, I am not going to leave you alone. I will not leave you orphans. I'll come to you. And it says here, he's going to send the Holy Spirit, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. Notice what he calls the Holy Spirit. The very same word that Eve was called in Genesis 2, a helper. What? Someone who provides support for what is lacking and the one who needs help. I'm going to provide you a helper. Holy Spirit is going to come. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes as the 120 are gathered in the upper room and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And amazing things begin to happen. But one thing that happens is that God takes people from 21 different nations. Holy Spirit falls and a new community is born. It's called the church. And we get to Acts chapter two and we see the beginning of this new community because you see it's not good for the man or, man or women to be alone. And we get to Genesis X two and this is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. It's a description Luke gives of the early community. It says here, they, the early Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Fellowship's just a kind of a churchy word for community and relationships to the breaking of bread and the prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I don't know about you, I look at that and I want some of that. You mean a community where no one has any real need, but when the need comes up, someone else meets the need? Where they're sharing meals together and laughter and tears and they're connected in very real and significant ways. What kind of program did they put together to create that? They didn't. The Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit created it. You know, there is something missing and something's terribly wrong in relationships today. And we see it in so many fronts, loneliness, anxiety, depression, all these other symptoms, they're all there telling us something's really wrong. But friends, we've got the answer. We have it. It's the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes among a group of people, he brings a depth of knowing and love and community that our hearts long for. Because here's the, you were made for community. To know and be known. To love and be loved. To care and be cared for. To serve and be served. To celebrate and be celebrated. That's what you were made for. And we have that power through the Holy Spirit. He comes and he creates this because it's not good for people to be alone. Are you lonely? Are you trying to figure out relationships? Oh, welcome to the club. But there's a hope and there's a promise. And there is one called the helper who will come in our midst and make all things new if we will just let him. So for the next seven weeks, we're gonna be talking about relationships and how the Holy Spirit is remaking and made us for community and how we can lean into them. Next week, I'm gonna be talking about um, one of the most endearing friendships in all of the Bible and talk about the power of friendships and the power of having friends and when God gets in the middle of that, what can happen? But you, you, you were made to know and be known, to love and be loved, to serve and be served, to care and be cared for, to celebrate and to be celebrated. Come Holy Spirit and bring that in our midst. Let's pray. Yes, Lord, we need your answer. We need your grace. So come Holy Spirit and create the kind of community that only you can create. Move in and among us. And in our day and time that is so bankrupt relationally, may the church of Jesus be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's all stand. If you enjoyed today's message, make sure to subscribe to this channel. Feel free to share this with others that God has put on your heart. To learn more about LaCroix Church or to find your next steps, head to lacroixchurch.org. Thanks again for checking us out, and we hope to see you soon. Bye.